This episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by Squarespace and Lynda.com. My name is Matthew Bischoff, and my favorite album is Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, the 1979 original Broadway cast. You just made history in the series. Did I? Yeah, the longest name of an album. <laughs> Perfect. And also the, the first musical, right? It is the first musical. We've okay. had a soundtrack, we've had just live recordings, but this is the first musical. And that is where I need to start with you. Sure. Um, to understand your background with musicals. Right. Um, I, was a, I was a theater kid, that's how I describe it. So I, growing up, I probably around fourth or fifth grade started going to summer theater every single summer and sort of working my way up the ranks, starting with, uh, you know, background parts and eventually doing a lot of lead roles in summer theater. I also at some point um, got into show choir, which is sort of like Glee, if you're, if you're familiar with that, but not, not quite as uh, drama-filled as the television show Glee, and uh, did theater all through high school, did a show in college, which was this show, Sweeney Todd. Who did you play? I played Tobias. Okay, and what is, what is, what is Tobias's character in the story? Tobias is um, starts out as Pirelli's assistant, Pirelli being the, the rival barber to uh, Sweeney Todd, kind of a, a showman, and then eventually is left with Sweeney and Mrs. Lovett and, and sort of becomes their adopted uh, ward, I guess. So I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but so that means that you are responsible for my favorite song from this. Oh, perfect. What's your favorite song? Pirelli's Miracle Elixir. Great, yes. Which later becomes God That's Good, right? They use the same, That's the right. same music, and, That's right. and, and they just kind of riff on the motif of the previous one. Exactly. Right. Well, we'll come back to that a little bit later on, but I wanted to mention that before I forgot. So It is it is a great song. Very, very complicated song to learn. So Yeah, because it's a tongue twister. Yes. So I'm assuming... Did you ever see... I mean, when was this actual album recorded? Like, what time period was this cast? This was 1979. Okay. Um, so this was the original Broadway cast. After that, it it went on to London, and then there have been tons and tons of really interesting revivals, the most interesting of which to me was the 2005 Broadway Broadway revival, which I have not seen. Um, but I, there's a different, separate cast album of that. And what makes it different? What makes it different is that in that... So the 1979 version is sort of done straight, full Broadway, 26-piece orchestra, uh, incredible sets that rotate, um, very high production values, and it, it won a bunch of Tonys. Um, the 2005 is a scaled-down version with a, with a smaller cast, and the cast is the orchestra. So people in the cast play the instruments. Plus, yep. it's done through a lens of those characters being sort of in an insane asylum acting out the show. So there's another layer above that, above the show itself. Oh wow! That's yeah, very different. very interesting. Yeah, that's like a totally different musical at that point. It, it, yeah, it is. How interesting! I mean, I have not seen Sweeney Todd. I have seen what I consider to be the terrible Johnny Depp movie. Yeah, the so I know the story rough. at least, but the movie is 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 not not good. So I'm interested then, if comparing the movie to your experience of listening to this album, what did you notice? Well, I couldn't stand the movie, and I okay. didn't feel that way about listening to the album. But the benefit was I, I, I kind of knew the story. Do you think that in this, if you just listened to this without seeing the movie, if it would really resonate? Do you think someone could follow it or would enjoy it? 
I do think so, um, but I would recommend seeing it if you can. There are some versions, uh, you know, they did record that um, original Broadway cast um, with a few substitutions on the tour, and that's available uh, on DVD and probably has fallen off of a truck somewhere. So Mm -hmm. I I would recommend watching it if you can, um, and then you'll appreciate the album that much more. So I assume you've at least seen them, because obviously, you know, you weren't around when it was in the theater. That's right. I assume you've seen the recorded version. I've probably seen that 12 times, Mike. <laughs> this week. It's, it's, a bit of, it's a bit of a problem. So the album, I want to come back in a moment to try and understand why this is your favorite of the albums. But is this your favorite Broadway show? Uh, yes, it is. Okay. So what about the music in this show? Not the show itself, but why is the music in this show uh, so high on your list um, of, of things that you really enjoy? I think that breaks down into two things. One thing is that lyrically, I, I fall in love with the show. The lyrics are so quick and witty and 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 um, well assembled. And and I'm when I listen to music, you know, whether it's a musical or just a regular album, regular uh, pop album or whatever. I pay a lot more attention to the lyrics than the music generally. I'm a very verbal kind of guy. So I, I focus a lot on the lyrics in this show. But also the, the other thing that, that really blew me away about this musically is the lay motifs. Are you familiar with a, what a lay motif is? Yeah, I learned that from uh, talking to Dan Moran about the uh, Empire Strikes Back soundtrack. Yeah, so there's about 20 different musical motifs that Sondheim uses in this score to recall other characters, other moments, and those, once you start listening to the album uh, over and over again, you keep discovering more of those moments, and they're so, so cool. Is that horrible screeching sound one of them? Yes, the uh, factory whistle is indeed oh, one of them. <laughs> first time that happened, I, I, I nearly had an accident. It scared uh, the hell out of me. So, so I've I've read some um, I've read some forum posts about that train whistle because I wanted to get a sense for how loud it was in the original production in the theater. And some people on on the forums have said that um, it's they're still ringing in their ears to this day because of it, and also that they were more scared of the whistle than anything else going on. It was every the first time it happened, it was horrible, and then every time subsequently, I still wasn't used to it. It is a horrible, horrible sound. What is it used for in the show? It's used to denote um, someone being murdered by right, okay. Sweeney. Right. That makes sense. I, under- I get that now. It's like a horror blare, you know, as you do in a horror movie or something like that. Yeah. It, it, is, it is a horrible noise to denote a horrible thing. In a, in a few of the songs, uh, Sondheim puts in this classic riff, this uh, Dies Irae uh, kind of chant, and he does interesting things with it. Um, so... In one case, he actually inverts it. So the see this one shine, how he smiles in the light in My Friends actually is an inversion of the melody, kind of suggesting this like demonic interpretation of something that's already called the Day of Wrath, which I just love. He's just, he just keeps bringing it darker and darker with the music. Um, and all that stuff is just, you don't need to notice it, but it kind of plays on your subconscious. What kind of effect does that type of thing have on an audience? Like why, why do they, why do like the directors and the composers put these um lay motifs in well if you ever um if you ever watch a horror movie on silent it won't be that scary mm-hmm. so a lot of the musical choices in sweeney are designed to amp up the tension and the suspense 
and kind of the horror of what's going on on stage. And I think that works really, really well, especially when you're when you're sitting in that room, you're hearing that blaring whistle and you're seeing, you know, gallons of blood spurt out on the stage. I think it's pretty it's pretty creepy. Um, Also, Sondheim said that said that he was sort of inspired by uh, Bernard Herrmann, who scored like most of the Hitchcock films. That's where a lot of the 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 musical choices um, were, were influenced. That is not a surprise. No, no, not at all. This episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by lynda.com, the online learning platform of over 3,000 on-demand video courses that are there to help you strengthen your business technology and creative skills. You can get yourself a free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash inquisitive. lynda.com is for people that have problems that they want to solve. It's for people that are curious and who want to make things happen. Whether you're looking to learn the foundations of color to make your designs pop, whether you're looking to learn localizations so you can communicate with your app to many people all around the world. Maybe you're looking to learn Java, you're looking to learn how to develop for Android, iOS, Swift. No matter what it is that you're looking to learn, you'll be able to watch and stream courses from experts who are super passionate about teaching, who are there to help you every step of the way with their fantastic courses that are all broken down into bite-sized pieces, allowing you to consume them in whatever order you like, and you can create and save them to playlists as well, so you can customize your learning path and even even watch on the go with your Android and iOS devices. But if you watch on the web, you can also view their great transcripts so you can very quickly search for answers and skip to that point in the video. Your Lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, go ahead and visit lynda.com slash inquisitive. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash inquisitive and sign up for your free 10 day trial thank you so much lynda.com for their support of this show and relay fm do you listen to this album a lot like does this get in your current rotation very frequently i will listen to it but only if i have time to listen to it all the way through i don't like listening uh just to parts of it Hmm. so usually if i'm driving somewhere this will be one of the one of the musicals that i will i will pick if i have a long car trip or something like that I wish I could listen to it more, but it's kind of, as you can imagine, kind of hard to work to or, or, or you know, exercise to or something like that. It's kind of an experience. A lot of the albums that I've listened to, um, I kind of just listen to them as part of my day, right? So, like, I might be working on some stuff and I listen to them and lead them and that kind of thing. Um, and just let them play and take my notes as something interests me. But I couldn't do that with this one. Um, I had to kind of, like, I was just playing some very simple video games because it was, like, I could concentrate on the music more without it distracting something because I did find it very distracting. Mm-hmm. So I can see how you can't work to this. I think that's the best way to to go into this album. Um, I guess for some people, their favorite album is something that they do listen to every day or all the time or, or that they work to and gets into their rhythm. For me, it's more about um, something that when I do have a chance to listen to it, it delights me every time. And it's this this album is infinitely re-listenable for me. But it is unlike anything else that's been chosen because it's not even really, you know, like a lot of people have chosen concept albums, right? Mm-hmm. Albums that tell a story, but the actual function of this music is to tell a story, which is slightly different. Yes, completely narrative, and and so many many musicals. When you listen to their their cast albums, you'll be missing a lot. So you asked earlier if someone could listen to this and understand it, and, and the reason why I think that that is true is because there's so little straight-spoken text in Sweeney, and most of it is on the album um, because it's underscored. 
Right. And when you say underscore, does that mean there's music playing in the background? Exactly. Okay. So the the text is like kind of the, just the spoken word is part of or like a bridge to a song, right? Exactly. Right. So this is so some people have have questioned whether this could actually be classified as an opera versus a musical because uh, such a high percentage of it is sung. I, I don't think so. I think it still uses the, the tools of musical theater much more than the right. tools of opera, but it is operatic in, in certain ways. Yeah, I was really surprised by the running time. It's like two hours long. Oh, it's so it's so it, long. It's basically every moment you're in the theater, right? Right. Because a lot of musicals, they're musicals, but they don't have... It's not singing constantly. Right. 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 There's that's, like, that's more more would describe opera. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I can see actually how people would would want to make that distinction between this and at least other musicals that I've seen. Uh, that there, I guess, considering how much music there is, there's a lot less just conversation happening in the in the play, in the in the play. That's true. Yeah, the conversation is often happening in the songs or over top of those lay motifs um, that are telling a different subtextual story as the characters are saying one thing. So I'm assuming then, considering that you mentioned about the way that you listen to this, that you approach listening to this album differently to how you approach other types of music. Yes, that is that is very true. So how do you usually listen to music or where and when? I usually listen to music um, in a couple of different contexts. I don't have a commute anymore since I, I just went um, full time on my own thing. So I'll either listen on headphones while I'm programming or, or answering email or something like that, or... Uh, I'll pick an album and listen to it w- by myself or with somebody else. Those are usually the two ways I do it: either in the background, like, you know, on headphones while I'm doing something, or as a re- as the thing I'm doing. Okay. And what type of music uh, finds itself into those scenarios? The former are usually single tracks, um, so I'll, I'll make a quick playlist, or I'll have playlists that I've made that'll be, um, you know, whatever is new and interesting to me. I, I'll I have a lot of friends who are very into music and so I take their recommendations pretty seriously and in the latter case it is it tends to be um albums that I'm a huge fan of that I'm listening to uh for for not the first time and many of those are musical theater uh cast albums and the former so like when you're working uh is that music with or without lyrics or there is a distinction almost all the music I listen to has lyrics okay so that's interesting you can work whilst listening to people sing yes that's it's really interesting to me over the course of this series the many many different ways that people listen to music more so than i ever expected um i thought that there would be some differences but you know there are some people that that positively cannot work when they have words in their ears yeah so i i can actually listen to podcasts and program at the same time which Ooh. everyone thinks is insane that is weird Although I did, uh, I did end up developing a skill in my previous job that I could listen to podcasts whilst reviewing copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think yep. you know how I did that, uh, but I was able to do it. That's crazy because it's two. It's t- you're you're both you're both taking in words in one way and taking them in another way. That that is yeah. uh, even maybe more impressive. I think that just came out of my pure desire to listen to podcasts and my complete disdain for the work I was doing. <laughs> I think that's probably where I came from. But I think what happens in that case when you're listening to something, whether it be music or spoken word and working, as long as you're focused on the work, the the audio kind of recedes into the background until something really interesting happens and it, yeah. it catches your attention and you switch back. I don't think you're really doing a hundred percent on no. both. No, I'm not I'm not like listening and reading. Like no. Yeah, I'm hearing and reading. Exactly. But I'm not listening. Exactly. 
tell me about some of your favorite pieces, some of your favorite songs. What are your favorite parts of this album? Oh, that's great. Uh, my favorite song on the album is the um, is the Act Two reprise of Joanna on on disc two. If you're listening to it on discs. I really, really love that song because of how layered it is and how much is is going on in it. You get all of the characters singing about what they want, um, which are kind of conflicting and overriding one another. Uh, I love Pirelli's Miracle Elixir as well, um, not only because I spent so much time learning it and, and learning the blocking and doing it all at once, but also just because I think it's um, a really good example of how Sondheim uses the chorus in a, a kind of a non-traditional way. A lot of t- a lot, Throughout the, most of the musical, the chorus is sort of a Greek chorus. They're singing these ballads of Sweeney Todd to bring the audience in on what's going on and and kind of narrate. And in Miracle Elixir, they're just an unruly crowd that ends up arguing with one another and convincing one another uh, of different things. So I love that one as well. Rob a minute, stimulating in it. Soon he'll have to thin it once a week. And he buys a bottle guarantee. And he buys a bottle of sample. Gets to be a habit. Soon there'll be enough, sir. Somebody can grab it. See this chap with hair like Shelley's. You can tell he's used Pirelli's. And what about some of the other parts of the album that maybe interest you um, in some way? Like, are there any specific parts of it that maybe are your favorite parts of the story, as well as just your part, favorite parts of the? the music and what kind of feelings they give you? Well, I think the first time I, I saw the ending, I, I did not blink. I mean, the, the, the final sequence on the album is 13 minutes and 24 seconds uh, straight. And I think when it gets to that point in the album, you just spent almost two hours listening to this thing. It's such a great uh, resolution to the story. I don't necessarily want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't, um, who hasn't seen it, but... Uh, it's it's really really worth the investment I think. Other otherwise things that interest me I'd say um, track four the worst pies in London which is Angela Lansbury going a mile a minute um, is technically just incredible to me that she can get all of all of those words out maintaining the meaning and um, and go through all of those uh, changes in tempo. Really, really incredible vocal performance, I think. And I think I think she she said that the first time Sondheim uh, played that song for her, he could not stop laughing. They were, by the end of it, they were just rolling on the floor uh, <laughs> laughing because it's so ridiculous. So, like you, I love Joanna. Like that is just a beautiful piece of music. 
um, and sung so beautifully as well. It really is a very emotional and kind of affecting piece. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that that I couldn't agree with you more. Is just just superb. Um, and it, so explain to me. It happens twice, right? There right. are two Joannas, and what is the difference, and, and why does this happen? Well, te- technically, there are three: um, be- track ten, track sixteen, and then on disc two, track two. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm seeing it now. Yeah, there's three of them. Right. So the first time it's sung, it's um, Antony singing it to Joanna, or sort of sort of about Joanna after just having fallen in love at first sight. Um, he's singing about how he wants to wants to get her, wants to um, free her from this this uh, window that she's kind of trapped in by her by her evil father, uh, the judge. In uh, track 16, it's this very dark. Um, song that was cut from the original production, uh, both for time and also because it's, um, sort of self-flagellation. It's very, very dark. Uh, the judge singing it about his own daughter. And then finally, the one that I, the one that I've really, really enjoy is on, is on disc two. It's sort of after God, that's good. Reopens the show, uh, reopens the act. It kind of tells us where all the characters are. So it's all of the characters singing in their own worlds about what's about what's happening in the show. And then as I mentioned, like I think my favorite is Pirelli's Miracle Elixir. And I like because it's a very fun song. There's a lot of really interesting stuff happening as um there is the conversations happening in the crowd as well as people are realizing that it's just snake oil basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and I I I think it but it's it's sung really well. Um, what was the character's name again? Uh, Adolfo Pirelli, and is the is the barber, and uh, Tobias is the is his assistant. So Tobias is singing it, right? That's right. Yeah, and and like the the accent and the 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 way that he speaks is just very funny to me <laughs> because it's that is an accent which is a riff upon like where I grew up. Mm, interesting. Right, that kind of London accent, of which everybody has got a, a, a variant in this, right? Sure, yes. It's naturally based in London, so they have English kind of Cockney accents, which I enjoy very much, and it, and it works very well with this song. And then it is brought up again uh, in God That's Good, which is when he's now selling the pies, right? The human meat pies. That's right. Yeah, so he's that so they, they use it again there, which is which is really great. There your sample, Mrs. Lovett's meat pies, savory and sweet pies, as you'll see. You who eat pies, Mrs. Lovett's meat pies, conjure up the treat pies used to be. And um I also like a little priest. Mm, yeah. Now, this is the song where they come across the idea of of killing people, right, and using their meat to sow into the pies. Exactly. The the price of meat, what it is, uh, they decide that the, the, the cheaper way to go and to fulfill both of their missions, uh, Mrs. Lovett's and Sweeney's, is to um, use the barbershop upstairs to kill people and slide them down a chute uh, where they turn them into meat pies. Yep. It's a business partnership for the ages. And it's just the way that Mrs. Lovett is trying to explain it to Sweeney Todd and like kind of like, do you get it? Do you get what I'm talking about? Is yeah. is really it's just really, really fantastic. I enjoyed that immensely. Debts to be erased. Think of it as thrift as a gift. 
if you get my drift, seems an awful waste. I love that, <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> it is, it's excellent. And so that that's the, the writing of this. So do you know much about the, the kind of where the story for Sweeney Todd came from? I do know a bit about that. Um, it originally was a was a penny dreadful, uh, I believe, in the 1800s. And then it, it, it turned into a play that this this is based on. Um, so Sondheim was basing it on the play. But I, I haven't read the play, um, but I believe he made a number of pretty significant changes when, when turning it into a musical. And the this original cast... Um do you know, like, is are there any kind of interesting tidbits, like stuff, things or little bits of trivia that you like from this? Another thing that that I've heard, but I'm not, I can't verify it anywhere, is that um, because there's because that's that song that I mentioned before that Angela Lansbury sings, uh, "Worst Pies in London," is so uh, fast and tight. She asked Sondheim, "When do I breathe?" And he said, "You don't." Uh, which I which I just love as an as an actor uh, talking to their to their composer. Um, otherwise, in the original cast, nothing nothing jumps to mind. But one thing that does uh, is about the director uh, Hal Prince, who actually kind of believes the show is about capitalism, which is not something I ever considered until I read his his thoughts on that. Um, it, he kind of he kind of believes that this this urge to uh, Turn turn people into products is is a bit more the center of the story than I I originally read it. Today's episode of Inquisitive is also brought to you by Squarespace. You can start building your own website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code Inquisitive at checkout to get 10% off Squarespace. Build it beautiful. With Squarespace, you'll be able to build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of how much you know about coding websites. It doesn't matter whatever your skill level is. It doesn't matter how much coding experience you have. Their intuitive and easy-to-use tools will make building your own website super simple, and you'll be able to make something that looks and feels exactly how you want. Squarespace powers all of their websites with fantastic technology, state-of-the-art even. It's trusted by millions of people around the world, and there's a good reason for that. They ensure security, stability, and back it up with 24-7 support with live chat and email. All of Squarespace's sites look fantastic. They all feature responsive design. They have really great templates that you can take advantage of, customize and flex to your heart's content. And if you do know coding stuff, if you are a whiz behind the keyboard, you'll be able to stretch Squarespace even further with their dev platform. You can get in under the hood and make some tweaks. But then again, you also, even if you do know this stuff, you don't have to build everything. And that's kind of the beauty of it. Squarespace has a fantastic commerce platform to allow you to sell stuff very, very easily with a Squarespace site. They have their rock solid fast hosting. They have their cover page functionality to build great looking single page websites and so much more. If you sign up you'll get for a year, you will get a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called, and their plans start at just $8 a month. Sign up for a free trial today with no credit card needed, and you can build your own website straight away by going to squarespace.com. When you do decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code INQUISITIVE at checkout. You'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. How do you feel when you listen to it? I mean, do you, do you have a sense of nostalgia? Like, do you think that maybe part of the reason that you love this so much is because it was a, a, a cast that you were personally a part of? I think I listened to it just as much before and after, so I, not really. I, there are certain moments where I, I will flash back to the production I was in, but more often I can see the video of the original production playing in my head. Um, and I feel 
I kind of feel like I wish I could produce something this good. Like to me, this is a, a classic example of a masterpiece. And so whenever I listen to it, I feel like, wow, how did he, how did they do this? How did they make this thing? Um, it just seems too complex and incredible to, for, for anybody to put together. Do you know how long this cast worked together? Like how long this production ran for? I think it was 500 some performances. Um, there, a few people here and there swapped out, but, but that was the, the, the original run. And have you followed any of the cast and crew to other pieces of work? I, this, this was the first um, Sondheim show that I, that I uh, learned and knew. And so I, I have listened to almost all of his other um, work. Uh, Angela Lansbury, of course, is sort of everywhere. She shows up um, in the Beauty and the Beast as Mrs. Potts and, and, and many other places. Uh, and then not from this cast, but from the 2005 cast, Michael Cerverus, who plays Sweeney in the 2005 cast, he he just was in one of my favorite musicals of this year, Fun Home, uh, as as one of the main characters there. So you're still a big musical theater guy, right? Yes, yes. One of the reasons why I'm in New York. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's absolutely. interesting. Was it, did it, did it bring you there, and now you stay for it? Well, I was. I grew up in New Jersey, and so the the rare times that my family and I would get to go to theater were always my favorite things like that. My favorite, you know, Christmas present would be tickets to a show. So I kind of knew that if I went anywhere else, I would, I would miss out on that. And so when I came here, I kind of made it a mission to, to see as much theater as I could. And how often do you go? Uh, probably once a month or so. Um, might not always be Broadway. Sometimes it's off Broadway. Sometimes it's comedy, but I, I try to get to the theater as much as I can. So you try and see the majority of the new stuff. Right. Slight aside, have you seen Hamilton? I have not yet. I, I okay. went to the lottery to try and see it front row, but there was about 200 people there when I went. So Yeah, I just keep hearing a lot about this. Yes, right? it, no, it, it is the, the number one thing on my list. You have, you have not seen it, I assume? No, I mean, okay. it, it just reminds me of the Book of Mormon in that scenario. Everybody was just like, you have to see it. Yeah, I've seen that twice. It's, it's, Book of Mormon is very, very good. Yeah, so we saw it in London, and uh, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, what are there any other musical uh, albums, any kind of uh, musicals that you listen to as frequently or nearly as frequently as this one? I I, I have it at, at various points. Let me think about right now. Um, right now, I tend to listen to Fun Home, um, which is that that musical I mentioned a moment ago, uh, a lot. Uh, I saw it with Rachel, my girlfriend, and she, the second time I saw it, and she fell in love with it, so we listened to it together. It's it's great. Um, we'll, we'll sing along most times. Uh, the Drowsy Chaperone, I listen to a decent amount, and You're in Town, um, I, I really enjoy as well. When you do listen to the musicals, why, why would you listen to an album and not watch the production? I think after having seen the production, I, I kind of enjoy imagining it and experiencing it through audio rather than seeing it again. Um, I'm not sure why that is. Uh, and I, I'm not sure that's how other people feel, but generally Broadway productions are meant to be seen on stage and the filmed versions are kind of a pale, uh, comparison to what it's like to be in the room anyway. So I'd, I'd rather imagine being in the room than, than watching a, a two dimensional version of it. 
What formats do you own this this album in? Do you are there any like special editions or anything like that that you have? Mm, no, I wish I, I, I own uh, I own it on a, di- a digital version of it. I forget how I how I got it. I'm not sure if it's <laughs> iTunes knows? or or not. Who knows? Who knows? It's all <laughs> iTunes Match and everything. I don't know Apple Music. It's too many too many ways to get music these days. But I also have the um, I, I when I was in Portland for XOXO, I picked up a out of print um, hardcover copy of the of the script. Uh, which has all the lyrics. It has photos from the original production, so I'm I'm really happy I have that now. How did you come by that? It was I was just walking through Pals in the musical theater section, and it was sitting right there. I was like, oh, well, yep, I'm gonna take that because <laughs> that feels like something that you would have known to get, right? It's, it's right, interesting yeah. you could just accidentally come across. It that. is. It is really really strange. <laughs> How important is it for the the people in your life to enjoy this with you? Uh, not important at all. In fact, I I think um, I think it it would drive people crazy if I uh, if I tried to force them to listen to it. I think um, when I was in college, uh, get preparing for the audition, I kind of had one or one song on repeat that I was learning over and over again. Um, I, I there's a, an incredible video of Sondheim explaining how to sing the song. The song is uh, in the first act. It's called My Friends. It's as, as Sweeney is singing to his razor about his plans um, and kind of falling in love with the idea of, of exacting revenge. And I think people got uh, my roommate and, and some other people on my, on my freshman dorm floor got a little, got a little tired of that song. What role were you going for? I, I, I was, I was a freshman, so I was kind of happy to be cast in, in anything. Um, I thought it would be incredible to play Sweeney, although I don't quite have the look um, I do have the vocal range to play it, um, but I'm really, really happy I got to play Tobias. That was such a fun role to play, especially towards the end of the show when things go a little bit haywire for him. <laughs> do you you have fond memories of the, the the time that you played it as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. I wish you know. I think it was like six or seven shows. I wish we. I wish I could have done it for for longer. It was uh, being on stage is one of the things that I, I miss the most. And it, it's, it, for me, it's just about finding the right place to do it where I can have enough time to dedicate to it without disturbing everything else that I have going on in my life. But yeah. now that I've, I'm down from two jobs to one, that, that, might, that might happen. Do you think you might find yourself back into some kind of musical theater role at some point? I hope so. If not musical, then you know, maybe, maybe start with something a little bit simpler, take an improv class or, or, or just get back on stage in some way. When you play Sweeney Todd for others or introduce it to others, um, what is the usual reaction from people? I think musical theater people that I've introduced to it, people who already understand uh, how to listen to musicals and how to kind of read musicals, are enthralled by it. Sure. And they, they, they don't necessarily become as obsessed as I am, but they, they do uh, kind of listen to it over and over again. People who aren't, I've tended to show the video and that that tends to get people into it as well. Is it still being played anywhere? Because is there a production running a Sweeney Todd? I'm I'm sure there are. I, I, so there's probably high school productions and college productions kind of constantly going yeah. on. It's, it's licensed by uh, MTI Music Theater International uh, or Musical Theater International. So anyone can produce it as long as there's not a, a large production going on near you already. Um, but the Wikipedia page for, for the show has a list of all of the notable productions, and you can scroll for a very long time just reading about uh, notable productions of this. But it's not in Broadway right now. No, no. I, w- I wish it will. I, I ho- I'm sure it will get reprised at some point. I, I hope it does while I'm in New York. 
Yeah, it's a big enough. It's a big enough uh, production, right? That you right. that it would continue to get put on probably forever somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Do you consider this a guilty pleasure? Like, are you proud of this album choice? Um, I don't. I don't really. I don't really believe in guilty pleasures. I guess I think if some if you like something and you can you can explain why you like it and uh, I don't know. I, no, I don't think it's a guilty pleasure at all. So you would say that this is something that you know you're proud to say. Like, this is my favorite album. You you want to tell the world about it? Yeah. It's like you should listen to this because. Well, that's a different thing. I mean, I do think you should listen to it, but just because something's my favorite album doesn't necessarily mean you should listen to it, right? But it has qualities in it that you that you are proud to say this is yours. Yes, I, it's a masterpiece of musical theater that is widely agreed on, and I think that uh, it's you. C- you could do much worse as the first musical you've ever listened to than this because this is kind of one of the high points of the genre. 